Good morning. My name is Paul. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, we're continuing on in our series that is called You in Five Years. And it's asking the question, it's asking you to dream, to think about, to plan. What will your life look like five years from now? Because a lot of times when we rewind and we think, okay, how far have I come since five years ago? Sometimes we just think, oh, where did that time even go? Like, what changed? Like, changes happened to me, but I didn't cause change to happen in my life the way that I wanted to. And I want to stop at this time where we usually set goals for the next 12 months. And I want to encourage you to not just set goals for the next 12 months, but to set goals for the next 60 months, for the next five years. Because you can accomplish a lot in five years, for good or bad. They say a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. And so we better carefully determine which way that one step is facing. Because if you did decide and you were able to just walk in a pretty straight line, you could walk out of here and in the next five years you could walk a pretty far way. If you decided that you were going to walk for eight miles a day for five years, you you could walk from here to the the coast of Alaska and still not be out of time yet. You take about a 23-mile swim, get to some little islands, take another 23-mile swim after that, get to Russia. You could walk across Russia through Kazakhstan, into Western Europe, through Western Europe, into Spain, into Portugal, where you're on the coast now facing towards America, and you would have about 72 days left in your five years to swim across the ocean and get back home, all right? Five years, you could go pretty far. Uh, five years, you can take your life in a very positive direction. Five years, you could, you could throw it all away through some choices, through, through living and not really thinking about where your choices will take you. Five years, you can do a lot. And I, I want to talk about that because we often get a dream and a goal and a vision for where we want to go, and, and we even hear from God and we know, okay, this is where God wants to take us, but the route of getting there isn't always the way that we would like it to be. And that's what I want to encourage you on today. And we're going to look at the experience of the Israelites, and we'll look at some New Testament teachings as well. But before we get to this point where the passage we're going to look at is where the nation of Israel was going from the wilderness, and they're going into the promised land finally. I mean, that dream was finally coming true, but that dream had an origin point with, with Abram. And if you know Abraham, Abram is the same person in Scripture, but God changed his name. Abram, his name means exalted father. And back then, you know, the the picture of blessing was lots of children. Lots of children now is kind of the picture of crazy. It's changed a lot. But back then, if you had lots of sons, lots of daughters, you were a very blessed person. And I mean, it was better than wealth to have lots of children. And and so that was surely on Abram's heart. And God's promise to him was that you're going to have a multitude of descendants. They're they're, they're going to be a blessing to all nations. Like you're from you, there's going to be nations as numerous as the stars in the sky. Like this blessing is going to flow through you, Abram. And his name meant exalted father. So you know that was close to his heart. But God changed his name to Abraham, which meant father of multitudes. And so this was so close to who he wanted to be and culturally what everybody wanted. And so you say, okay, that's what God did. But don't miss the fact that he was 99 until it all really got started. Like 98 years of, God, where's your promise? Where's your blessing? Where's what you said? 
And in fact, just so you don't get anything twisted, Abraham, Abraham in the Old Testament, he's not the Jesus of the New Testament. Like, he's not the perfect guy. Abraham did stupid stuff through his life at times. He lied about who his wife was. Like, he did things that were deceitful. He, he didn't always have it all together. But in the New Testament, it, it says that he, it was, he was accounted as righteous because he trusted God, because he had faith in him, because he believed God at his word. And, and I want to just get that clear because when it comes to following God, it's not like, you know, behave and be saved, but, but it's believe, believe and be saved. It's not just about what we do, it's about trusting God. And that, that's where our faith starts. It seems like too small of a start to really redirect our life, but I'm going to tell you that just seems to be the way that God loves to work. He likes to work from the inside of our heart outwards. He likes to start in something small and create something bigger out of it. And so Abraham went through his life desiring and being promised to have this multitude of children, and he had nothing until his body was as good as dead. And no offense to any 98-year-olds in the room, but chances are you would say, I ain't interested in having no more babies at this point in my life anyway. (laughs) But that's where the promise started coming true for Abraham. And, And I think one of the reasons why God chose to do this in Abraham's life is he wanted to be clear that this is something different. This is something that I have my hand on. This isn't just something that Abraham caused because Abraham could not have caused this. But this is something that God is doing in a special way to bless all nations. And then from Abraham came Isaac. And the nations of Israel that then came through there where Joseph then moved, the, moved all of the family from, into Egypt because of a famine where they eventually became enslaved by Egypt. And then Moses led them out. You've seen the movie, Let My People Go. Like You, you know that story. But as they're going out, the big dream that was on all of their heart is that God has promised us a land. God has promised us a place that's going to be our own, and it's supposed to be flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get there, and we're going to have a place to be. But when they first get there, and they send people out to check out the land, they're like, whoa, you know, God promised us this, but there's some obstacles in the way. And in fact, like, you know, we're like 5'2", and they're like 6'9". Like, this, this is not a fair fight. Like, this can't be what God had for us because this will not be easy. They have fortified cities. How are we supposed to win that fight? And so the nation got there, and they got scared, and it became about what they could do, not about what God wanted to do. And they ended up going back into the wilderness and not taking hold of the promise that God had for them. And after an entire generation died, God led them back there, and they were finally ready to go in and face these obstacles that stood in between them and God's promises. And that's really where we're picking up the passage today. And throughout all of those stories that I tried to sum up real quick to kind of get us to where we're, we're at, there's so many beautiful pictures of God's love. There's so many beautiful pictures that were foreshadowing about the life of Christ. And there's so much richness in this, but I don't have time to dive into all those pieces today. But we're, we're, we're entering this place where all of these dreams have welled up to this moment where they're getting there and they're seeing, okay, this is going to be difficult. And then we're going to look at two passages that are parallel passages. They say almost the same thing found in Deuteronomy 7 and Exodus 23, if you want to follow, follow along. So we'll project the passage from Deuteronomy 7 up on the screen as I read it here now. It says, No, do not be afraid of those nations, for the Lord your God is among you, and he is a great and awesome God. And the Lord your God will drive those nations out ahead of you, catch these words, little by little. You will not clear them away all at once, otherwise the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you. 
Exodus 23:29 says almost the same thing, and it says, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land will become desolate and the wild animals would multiply and threaten you. I will drive them out little at a time until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land. Now, I know that if I was there standing in their sandals, looking at the edge of this land at a, at a fight that had to be fought, and I knew that God was on my side, I could probably explain the plan pretty well to God. This is how it's going to go down. You, you said this land was ours, so as soon as we cross over into the border, then all of those people are just going to have to leave and be gone, and we get the whole thing right away. I mean, that's how it would have worked in my mind, and I don't know about you, but in any of the things that you felt like, okay, this is something that God's asking me to do, this is something that I'm supposed to do, you probably also approached it with the mindset of, okay, God wants my marriage to be like this, he wants my career to be like this, he wants my children to be like this, and so in one foul swoop, I should have all of what I've been wanting all at once. And then when that doesn't happen, there's an objection that pops up in our mind of, did I hear God correctly? Did something happen? Was there a mistake that was made? Is God not being faithful? Like, where, where did the mistake happen that God would bring me to a place where things are difficult and trying and it's taking a long time to get me to the conclusion and the result that I know God wants me to be at? And there's a tension that's felt there, but I want to tell you that what we see throughout the course of Scripture and so many of the New Testament teachings about how growth happens with an individual, it points to that phrase of little by little. Little by little. I mean, in all the ways that God opens up doors and provides, even when the nation of Israel was going through the wilderness and they were surviving by the manna, the bread from heaven that God would provide, he would provide enough for that day. And what God does in your life, maybe you've seen this just through experience and you've kind of caught on to the theme that when God calls me to something, he doesn't always give me all that I've been wanting and all that I've been asking, but he gives me enough to be obedient in that day. He gives me enough finances for that day. He gives me enough strength not to say no to the addiction forever for next week, but he gives enough for that day. And it's like each day he gives me enough to press on if I choose to. And I want you to see that this is how, how God works in our lives. That, that you might be looking and saying, man, my life needs major wholesale change. Well, it starts little by little. And, and, and there's practical, and I believe there's spiritual reasons that all play into that. But if you've been looking at an obstacle or a difficulty in your family, and you're like, why doesn't God just change it all? I believe he says, okay, I'm calling you to make the change that you need to make, and I'm calling you to do it one simple step of obedience at a time. It, it, it works out like that. The provision for day to day, you can have victory for today, and it may not be all the fights that you want to be victorious in, but he'll give you enough strength to be victorious in today's fight. In this, in, in this storyline where, where Israel is taking over the nations, some of the battles that they had to fight to claim the promise that God had given to them lasted seven years long. And we kind of miss those details. We, we miss the emotional experience of trying to take claim of what God is, wants to give to you. I mean, he wants to give it to you. But for whatever reason, he says, okay, you're going to get this little by little. You're going to see the change little by little. Some of the fights might be seven years long. And even after a seven-year fight, there's going to be another one. And it's not going to be in one year that I give you this land that I promised to you 
but it's going to be over years as your nation grows, as you're able to, to take care of it so that the animals don't overtake the cities and you have to rebuild them from the ground up. There's people who are already doing work that are, that's going to bless you. I'm going to give you little by little dominion over what I've promised you. And it's, it, it's interesting because when you think about when they first tried to occupy that land, when they first went and they looked and they got scared and they said, oh, I don't, we, we don't know if we can win. And, and God then wouldn't give it to them. I think that this plays out in our spiritual life as well, where, where God doesn't give just in one moment, give us enough strength for the month. But he says, I'm giving you enough strength for today. And so tomorrow, when you enter tomorrow's fight, you'll continue to recognize your dependence on me, the provision that I give you. Uh, and and this, is, this is part of the relationship that we have with God that's promised through the, throughout the New Testament. That, that it's not, we have one important moment with God there is a starting point to our relationship, but God's invitation is to an ongoing relationship. This ongoing connection where you hear from him on a regular basis. It's not just, oh, I got things right with God back a couple years ago and I just got back to doing my own thing now, but I'm good with God because we had a talk about you know, four or five years ago and I'm just good forever. That's not what God's design is. His design is, once you enter a relationship with me, we're connected. That, that, that you engage with me. That the growth that you want to see in your family, it, it comes out of that foundation of your connection with me. It's built upon that. And especially if you're in a situation where you feel like, you know, I'm fighting for my marriage or I'm fighting for my job or I'm working through this right now. Sometimes it might feel like, you know, how can a, a small prayer change anything? How can, how can just reading some scripture or being connected to a, a gathering and a fellowship of people or, or how can be beginning to steward my life and order my life the way that God has said, how can that make a change when I have all this mess going on? I want to tell you, once again, the design seems to be little by little, my people grow. Little by little, we lead them towards victory. Little by little, we show God that our heart is really engaged in this because it's really easy to try to create that one big romantic moment where we do something big. And I love those strong starts, I do. But what's really more meaningful is that ongoing love, that ongoing connection where every day you wake up and decide, God, today is about you. My heart is turned towards you. And that's what God loves to see within us. And there's so many callings to that when it comes to having an ongoing prayer relationship with God, to, to continuing to take care of our community. We're called to, to prayer, called to fasting. And, you know, you might be like me that if you surround yourself with really good people, sometimes they pull you into things that are healthy things, but you just don't want to do them because they're difficult and painful. Like, I'm surrounded by a really good group of pastors, and they must be more spiritual than me because they love to fast and pray. And I quite honestly, like, I, I like praying. Like, I love my connection with my Heavenly Father, but fasting can be terrible. Like, because I enjoy food. I enjoy eating. And, and I, I get angry, and people don't like when their pastor yells at them, and so it's difficult if I'm angry all day. But, like, I get like that without food. But my, my friends are like, hey, we're doing this 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, and you only eat, um, you don't eat when the sun is up. You can eat early in the morning, eat late at night. But during the day, um, you, you just pray. And every time you get hung, hungry, you just go towards God about the, the thing that you're praying for. And I'm, I get 
dragged into this because I, I want to be like them and I want to grow and I want to be the pastor that I should be and I want to see our church continue to rise up and, and reach towards cities that, that, or reach towards people in our city that need hope, need love, need encouragement. I want to see us win the fight that we need to win in the spiritual and in the practical. So I, I get dragged into this. I'm having lunch with a different pastor who's not fasting and he's like laughing at me about it because like I got soup and I'm like scooping all of the actual food out of the soup and he's like, like taking my shrimp, taking my wontons, taking the cabbage, and he's like, I want to punch him in his pastor face. Um, but I'm telling him, like, this is, this is the thing for me. Like, every moment where I have to say no to food, like, I, I'm, I'm saying, God, like, I'm serious about this. Like, God, I want this so much that I'll endure this. I mean, thinking about the parable of the widow who wanted justice and who was making an appeal to, to a judge who did not care about justice and did not fear God, but she kept badgering her, him so much with her request that eventually he gives her justice because he doesn't want to deal with her anymore. And then the comparison is made within that parable of how much more so does your heavenly father who is good and who loves you want to answer your prayer requests. And so when, when there's a group of people who are crying out saying, God, give us the opportunity to take care of our city. Give us an opportunity to help see the broken healed and restored and having people gathering around them and helping them work through their marriage and work through raising their children, work through healing from the things that have happened. Give us those opportunities, God. Help us to seize them. When we're crying out for that, when we're fighting for that as a church, we know God is going to answer that prayer. And so I'm going through this and it's just daily this question that I'm having to answer of how much do I want it? Like, how much am I willing, like, how important is it, how close is it to, to my heart to see God answer the prayer request that is close to me? And, and I'm bringing this to you because, one, you know, this is the first year of doing it, and I asked some leaders to do this, and next year I'm going to invite as many of you guys who will endure the suffering and the difficulty, but will experience this awesome closeness to God and this answering to prayer to join us in prayer and fasting next year for 21 days. We'll talk about that more next year. But the question is this. If you would say there is something so close to my heart so close to my life, like, I need God to do something in this. How hard are you willing to chase after it? Both in the practical and the spiritual. Because it's one thing to be like, you know, I just, I really want to lose weight. But I also really want to eat a box of Twinkies every day. Like, there's some practical things. It's okay, how bad do you really want it? But in the same way, it's like, if, if, if spiritually, like, I want to get healthy. Like, I want to chase after God. I, I want to see my, my children grow up knowing him and loving him. I, I want to see, you know, th these other extended members of my family come to know the Lord. Like, I want to get myself right. Like, okay, practically, how are you chasing after it? It doesn't have to be 21 days of prayer and fasting, but it should be something. That, that if there's a fight that we want to win, if something that we want to see achieved in our life, in our career, in our spiritual life, what are you practically doing to chase after it? How bad are you showing God that like, this is something that, that I am willing to fight for, to go after time and time again, to, to, to go after it? And I'm going to tell you that whatever it is that you feel like you need to be chasing towards, little by little, you need to be moving towards it. Because those little by littles, they add up to a lot. Those little prayers that are said daily, they will add up to a lot. Those little choices, for good or bad, they're going to add up to a lot. And, and in fact, the, the, this whole concept that, that is scriptural that we'll see in some of the parables um, from Jesus Christ about the mustard seed and about the leaven, we'll see those in a couple minutes, but in the, today's corporate world, a lot of the leadership books that are being written now, they're, they're bringing in this concept of micro habits, this, this start small concept. 
because they've learned that, that, that it's true, that it, that it works. And so even right now, if you're in the corporate setting and reading about how to move, how to change your family, how to change your health, how to, how to change your career, what they say is, well, you, you have to start small, like ridiculously small. One of the authors writes about it, and he says, one, one of the ways that you can change your life for the positive is to start flossing. But people generally, a lot of them don't like to floss. And so you have to make your commitment so small that you'd be embarrassed if you didn't achieve it. So it's not, I'm just going to floss my teeth. It's, I'm going to floss one tooth per day. Like, pick your favorite tooth. <laughs> don't need any of the others, but that tooth I'm going to keep. And floss that tooth, because how embarrassing would it be to be like, I, I, I couldn't just floss one tooth. But I know, you know, it gets to the end of the day sometimes, and it's 9.30 at night, and it's like, I can't put on my gym clothes. My gym is closed anyway. Like, I can't get out there to go to the gym and try to get in shape, even though getting in shape is my goal. Um, so instead of making goal 30 minutes a day at the gym, like, just make, make the goal of, like, I'm going to get down next to my bed each day, and I'm going to just do, like, one push-up. Like, one. But then you, you'll, you'll get down there, and you'll recognize that, like, well, I'm already down here, so, like, I may as well just, like, do a couple more, like, until I get tired. And it's, like, each night, like, I was only going to do one, but I, like, did three or four. And then before you know it, like, you get so used to it that you start, like, getting fancy and start, like, lifting up legs and start clap, doing clap push-ups and other things. But it's this idea that it's, like, the hardest thing about moving towards your goal is just the entry point. And all of us want to, you know, get the six-pack abs and, like, be in perfect health and always eat. Like, start smaller, though. Because if you start small in a way that you're engaging in the process, you're going to open the door for doing more than you thought. I mean, just even, like, with prayer. Rather than saying, I'm going to spend 30 minutes praying each day, like, commit to 10 seconds. I'm going to pray for 10 seconds. And whether it's push-ups or flossing or managing your, your finances or, or your spiritual life and praying... You'll start with 10 seconds, and then you'll be like, oh, man, it's, it's been 20 seconds. I'm so naughty. I prayed too long. Like, like is this okay? Like, I'm, I, it's been three minutes. I'm, I'm driving in my car, and I started praying, and now it's been three minutes. It's been five minutes. I've been talking to God, and, and, and all of a sudden, that 10-second that window turned into something better. But you know, and you know what's true, that if you start small, you're probably going to go further than you had to. And, and that's all that it takes. And so one of the very practical challenges that's going to come out of this message um, if you don't know any other ways to apply, if God doesn't push on your heart in any other areas, here's one. Um, we, we made some stickers that are available out on the next steps table and out by the alligator. If you have to pick up kids, you can get them by the alligator on the way out. And, and it says, just says 10 seconds of prayer on it, and it has a little gulf side wave. Um, take that sticker, put it next to your speedometer. That'll help you anyway, I think, probably, seeing a reminder of the church by your speedometer. Um, but whenever you see that sticker, the thing that I've done, I, I put one in my car this week when I made them, and every time I start my car, I start with 10 seconds of prayer. And it's amazing, if you just three or four times a day from driving around, all of a sudden, your heart gets focused on God, it's a really small start, but I'm going to tell you, it can make a very significant difference in your day. When you have that interruption where you just bring whatever's on your mind to God, and it doesn't have to be long, and you don't have to be poetic, it's just you in the car and God. Just talk out loud to him for 10 seconds, whatever's on your heart. And that's a great small start. There's so many different ways. And, and this is how Jesus talked about these, this truth of moving from small to large. In Matthew 13, 31, we'll put this up on the screen. It says, here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds 
come and make nests in its branches. And he continues on into verse 33. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in, three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. This is how God chooses to work. He says, start in a small, like it's just this little thing, like how can this little, how can putting your faith in Christ cause any change in your life? But this is how it starts, like a small seed that takes over a garden, like a small amount of yeast that changes the entire thing that you are making. This is how it'll start. An authentic start creates dramatic results. And so we, the, the, the question is, how do we get started? Well, first, there's, there's just a choice that you have to make. There's something that you have to hop into that, that, that will change your direction. And so I want to give you just four just really practical ways to kind of get started on these things. I mean, it, this, this is just super practical. The goal that God's put on your heart, whether it's making your, your marriage or your relationship stronger, your spiritual life stronger, getting better in your career, like you can apply this to any area that God is pushing on your heart about. And number one, choose it carefully. Choose your goal carefully. Choose something that matters. There, there's things that matter and there's things that don't matter. Pick something that matters, something that will be significant five years down the road. Pick an area that, that will make a difference. And, and once you have that, spell out what you're going to do specifically. Spell it out specifically. Don't be like, I'm going to eat better. Well, better than what? Like, better than a bear? Like, I'm, I'm going to drink less. Drink less than who? There's always someone who is more drunk than you. That's not the way to figure it out. Like, spell it out. Like, I'm only going to have one beer a week, and then two, week, two months from now, I'm not going to have any. I need to cut it all out because it's destructive. Spell it out specifically. If you're going to eat better, figure out how many calories per day. Here's the macros that I need to get. Understand what you're eating and what it's doing to your body. If that's the thing, figure out. If it's making the marriage better, five times per day, I'm going to compliment my spouse. And I'm going to make sure it happens and that it's authentic and that they know how I feel about them because I love them with my heart and I don't know if they know it yet. You can track any area where you need to grow in some way. But you have to choose to do it. So we pick something that's significant. We spell it out specifically. We track it diligently. We track it diligently. You know, it might be fun to go to the bowling alley and put a curtain in between you and the pins and spend some time bowling, but I think I would get bored with that pretty soon. I want to know the results. I want to know if something's happening. And if I'm going to drive after a goal and a dream and a vision for any area of my life, I want to see how the improvement is, is starting or how I'm investing it. How many hours have I invested in it? And so you've got to track whatever you're going to move after. You've got to track it dif- diligently. And then the fourth thing is you've got to guard it aggressively. Anything that matters is going to be challenging, and there's going to be days where you miss. Just don't let that, that one day become days. Don't let one turn into two. After the first miss, just decide and determine in your heart, I have to do this. Everything else has to be on pause. I have to be after this. This is something that God's spoken to me about. This is something that I need to do for my physical, emotional, and spiritual health, and I want you to hear me loud and clear on this church. God cares about your physical and emotional health as well. The spiritual is connected into every single one of those areas, and I, I just don't think that you can be completely spiritually healthy and let yourself be physically destroying yourself. I don't think that you can be completely spiritually healthy and let your emotions run wild. They're all connected. You are one body. And so though all three of those areas are important to God. We, we are, our body is the temple of God, as Scripture describes it. 
And so our health matters. Your emotions matter. All of those are areas that you need to invest in and learn how to use to the glory of God in a controlled and powerful way. So we guard it aggressively. Um, there, we, we look and we say, okay, this is how I'm progressing. And, and that gets into the whole tracking thing. And all those things work together. But all of this is so incredibly practical that it requires action to be meaningful. This is not a message that you should hear about at church and go through your week without doing anything about it. This is a message that asks you to take action, to think and to dream and to write and to measure in the weeks ahead. Band, if you guys will make your way up, I'm going to begin to close this out. We have a great opportunity ahead of us. None of us know how many years we have, but it honors God to look ahead and say, I'm going to steward whatever time I have in a way that will glorify you. We will be accountable for the way that we use our days to our Heavenly Father, and we want to make the most out of them for Him and for us, because there is a truth that when we are living the way God has called us to live, we experience the most peace, the most joy, the most fulfillment. But it requires a decision, and it requires action. So church, this this is one of the asks. Get started. Take action, even today. It's a great conversation to have. What should our life look like five years from now? And I'm going to tell you, God might put some dreams on your heart that you'll look at and you'll say, okay, this is so cool. God wants me to do this. So I bet God will probably make it happen next month. No, no, no. Remember, little by little, the place we want to go, it should be something that's too lofty to reach in 12 months. But we do want to decide that God... Whatever step I need to take, I'm going to take. And I'm not just committing to take a step today. I'm committing to take a step tomorrow. Like I'm coming into this eyes wide open. Like I'm committing to take a step every day for the next five years. That what I'm going to drive towards isn't just a one-week commitment with you, God. Like this is, this is a lifestyle change. This, this is an aw- I'm going to change my awareness about the way that I'm living my life so that I can be healthier in my heart, in my soul, and in my mind. This is a big call to action. But remember, entire nations, entire nations, fortified cities fell down before God's people as they chose to progress little by little. So in the same way, the things that you feel are impossible, I believe will happen little by little. The things that you don't think you can pull off, God will cause to happen. But it's going to require you stepping into this moment, raising your awareness, and allowing God to break through what your past is. Church, stand with us. We're going to sing, and I'm going to encourage you. As you sing, worship your Heavenly Father. Make the decision in your heart about listening to His voice, about following through on the step that you need to take. And I know that as we respond to Him, He will lead us to victory, little by little.